Hi, my name is Nigel Singleton. Uh, I'm 18 years old. I'm on the lit team here at Centerpoint Church. And the reason <laughs> I'm on this video right now is because I love my mom. Hey, my name is Ray. I'm the son of Terry Cardoza. And uh, one of the things that my mom loves to do is smile. So I hope this makes you smile, Mom. I love my mom because she plays board games with me and card games with me. She does school with us and I love cooking with her. And um, I love playing with her. Um, one thing that we like to do together is we'll go on like little coffee dates where we'll just drive around listen to music, um, or whenever she just goes to Target, I like to go with her and bug her sometimes around the store, so. So, one thing about my mom that nobody knows is probably, she's probably one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. She, she doesn't seem like it at first, but she, she opens up to you over time, and then she'll like, her humor is just so out there it's so it's so weird like I'll just like walk into her room one day and she'll just be like dude look at this video and then she'll just be dying before the video even starts and my mom is just hilarious I love you mom so much um, her kind and just gentle spirit towards me. She's super patient with me. Just want to say a huge happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Moms are the bomb. You guys are amazing. And I love her because she always helps us do school and she always pushed us on the swings. Hi, I'm Aisha Singleton. I am a member at Sin Point and I just want to wish all the other moms and single moms and just a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. Be blessed and have, I hope you have much, much, much love. Hey guys, so I'm Emily, I'm a mom and uh, I have two little ones, Bronte and Knightley. And there's a lot of reasons that I love being their mom. I'd say they keep me on my toes. Uh, there's things I expected in motherhood and there's things I didn't expect and the unexpected are definitely the best things. So my daughter went through like a whole week where she had to put marker over her entire body and the reason was because she was a dragon. <laughs> so I was like everywhere we went for an entire week she was a dragon. And it's like that's childhood and that's what I get to see every day. To my kiddos. Thank you for letting me be your mom. Thank you for this joyous time. And for all my other mamas out there, I got you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> love you, Mommy. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. Mom. I love you, Mom. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
Well, hey, once again, welcome back to Center Point Church Online, and I'm glad you joined us. Aren't our moms amazing? Our moms are amazing, and I think if you're sitting near one right now, it might be a good time to turn to her and just say, Mom, you're amazing, and just do it. And, and if she's not in the room, maybe text her and just say, Mom, you're amazing, because we're celebrating Mother's Day this weekend. Hey, it's Lifted Part 5, and you know what I wanted to just share is... This was about three months ago that I, I felt this stirring to change up what we were going to do for Easter and then the series following, and it was going to be something else. And, and then I, I felt this stirring to call this series and uh, lift it. And it's a bit prophetic when you really think about it, right? Because here we are, and we're in the fifth week of this series, and we've been praying that there would be a lifting of the, the orders that we've been experiencing and that have been causing so much difficulty and stress and consternation. And, and, and this week, we've gotten a few more orders that have been lifted. And I want to just address that briefly, right? That the county has lifted some of the orders that were issued locally, uh, but it doesn't change all that much for us in terms of what we're doing together. I do want you to know that for the last five weeks, what we've been doing uh, has been completely legal in the sense that uh, we had county orders that started by saying these are superseded by the governor's order. And the governor's order had made allowance for a church to have a team gather like we are doing here to record and to stream, a live stream, a weekend worship service. So I've got a bunch of questions about that. Like, hey, was it, uh, what have you been doing and how come that's okay? It's because we're cooperating with what was allowed for in, uh, in the governor's order. But now, local things have been lifted. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we get to rush back in and, and break down the doors, right? We're still waiting for our state uh, issuing uh, orders that make that possible. And we'll keep you posted. We'll email. We'll be on, on Facebook and Instagram letting you know as soon as we know what we can do and when. So I want you to grab a Bible, and I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 3. And as you turn into Psalm chapter 3, I want you to get your heart ready for what God might want to do in this moment in you. I think it's already begun as we've been worshiping together, but let's allow him to do a deep work in us by his word. And let's pray together as we get ready to turn to Psalm 3, okay? Pray with me. God, would you speak to us in this moment? God, we pray that you would allow this to be so different than our normal experience of watching something on a screen. But that in this moment, God, we would be taking in your word and you'd transform us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're turning to the scriptures in Psalm 3. It's right in the middle of the Bible. And I want to just read, uh, starting at verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake up, wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Aren't you glad that sometimes the Bible gets a little gritty, right? <laughs> Break the teeth of the wicked. That's one of those things that I think that sometimes. Uh, but uh, here is an example of the word of God saying it out loud, right? There are times, though, when those kinds of feelings need to be expressed. 
And what I love about the Psalms is they give language to so much of the grittiness that we often feel about life, the way it's taking place right in front of us. Those words in the Psalms give language to what we wish we could say, and there it is. And it's important that we're able to say what the word of God says and to partner with what it. And I think about this particular psalm, and it's written by David. And David, uh, so many of the psalms are an expression of David wrestling with difficulty and challenge. David coming against struggle of one kind and another and trying to figure out what to do about it. And David, in this, in this moment, uh, is wrestling and struggling, and he needs to say what he's dealing with. He's dealing with insurmountable odds. He's dealing with circumstances that seem like they're never going to change. He's dealing with division. He's dealing with a circumstance that he doesn't know the solution to, but he does know that whatever the solution is going to be, the way it comes is by crying out to God. And his expression in particular is this, this phrase in verse 7, and I want you to just hear this. He just simply cries out, arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. And I want you to just say that with me. Ready? Say it. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Say it one more time, good and loud. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Sometimes you just got to cry out, deliver me, my God. Like, deliver me, my God. I don't even know what exactly, specifically to ask for, but deliver me, my God. And David, in this moment, he is dealing with a lot that he needed to be delivered from. He was dealing with division and strife, and he was crying out. But you and I, we have the things that we need to cry out also to ask God to deliver us from. I'm crying out and I'm saying, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from the confusion that I feel because of all of the misinformation and all the different perspectives that seem to come from like 10 different angles. Deliver me, God, from the sense of confusion because I don't know what to think because I saw this and then I read that. Deliver me, God, from the sense of intimidation from one side and then from another. Deliver me, God. Just cry out again. Just say, deliver me, God. You got to ask him, deliver me. I'm saying, deliver me, God, from that sense of, of division that even rises up now and it's happening in our community, in our nation and maybe even in our church, and we need to cry out, God, deliver me from that divisive spirit that would come against your bride, your body, and start with me, God. Deliver us, Lord. Deliver me from despair. Somebody, you need to just cry out right now, God, deliver me from the despair, that sense of hopelessness and foreboding that seems to have hung over you like a dark cloud. Some of us, we just need to cry out right now, God, deliver me from the financial destruction Deliver me from the financial distress. God, deliver me from this sense of hopelessness. God, deliver me from paralysis about what to do. For somebody right now, you, you lead a small business and you're not sure what to do with that business. You're not what, sure what decision to make. But you need to cry out, God, deliver me from the paralysis of moving forward. God, deliver me from the sense of control and manipulation and overreach that seems to be coming at me from uh, the external forces and even the government. God, deliver me, right? I mean, just cry out, God, deliver me. This is a cry from the scriptures. God, deliver me. Deliver me, Lord. Let me take you back to verse 1. David's crying out. He says, Lord. Many are my foes. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. 
And this is, this is David, and David's got real external foes. He's got people in his nation that he's leading, and he, he's got armies coming against him. And for David, the foes are, are external, and, and they're real people and, and invading forces and troops coming against him and what he's leading. And for you and I, maybe our, our foes aren't external like they are for David, but they're nonetheless real. I think a lot of us know what it's like to deal with opposition and to feel like there are something like foes rising up against us. And uh, maybe even, like David said, many are saying God will not deliver him. And, and there's, there's a sense in which we need to deal with those internal foes. Here's what's been happening for me. The first few weeks of this crisis, something inside of me uh, was glad to rise up and say, let me do everything I can. Let me take action. Let me do something meaningful. Let me make something happen. But then about four or five weeks, it seemed like the momentum of that was ebbing. And then this past week, something else began to hit me. And it was a kind of a foe. And maybe, maybe you know what this is like. Maybe some of you have felt this too, this sense of, of something else beginning to rise up. Not that, that eager, confident thing at first, but something else. And it was a little bit dark, honestly. Like, there was this sense, this past week in particular, I mean, straight up through to, to Saturday morning, to Saturday middle of the day even. Like, this sense, deep sense of, of despair, almost of paralysis, of like, what am I going to do What's going to happen? And it, honestly, it was a kind of a suffocating feeling, really. It was this feeling of, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. And honestly, if I had to give a name to it, I might even just call it depression. And in, in a sense, it was keeping me from feeling myself. It's, it was keeping me from wanting to do the things that I know I should do. And, and I was uh, really overcome by this. My wife, I'm grateful, she's a discerning person, and uh, maybe, maybe it was just very obvious, but she could see something was wrong with me. And so she said, let, let me pray for you. Let's pray together. And we spent some time praying together. And as we were praying together, uh, she recognized that there were these foes, right? Not like David's that were external, but internal. And she began praying in the power of the Spirit, saying, you know, I, I command this, this foreboding spirit to leave. I command this afflicting spirit of depression to leave. And she was ministering that to me, praying over me, laying hands on my heart. But then she asked a question. She said, uh, Jesus, would you show my husband a vision right now of what you're actually doing? And as she asked him to do that, he showed me something, and it was a vision in the spirit that uh, kind of as clear as day almost, and, and it was Jesus kneeling down and taking a screwdriver right up close to a, a machine of some kind, thinking about it more. It was an old school carburetor, and, and he was turning these different screws on that old school carburetor. I could see it clear as day, and that carburetor, it represented my heart. And it was Jesus, in a sense, dealing with my heart. And, and, and what a carburetor does is it allows the flow of the air to come in. Yeah. What Jesus was doing was dealing 
dealing with the, the, the stoppage of the flow that was needed. See, I had sort of picked up something that was in the air or something that had been on the air, and it wasn't from God, and it was doing me dirty. It was messing me up. And Jesus, in that vision, was opening up that carburetor and make sure that the real flow could come. Because what I really needed was I needed a flow of the air, that wind of the Spirit of God, blowing through, allowing the fire to burn like it should. And in that moment, when, when my wife was praying for me and saying, you know, Jesus, what are you doing? And I saw that vision, I, I, I almost felt compelled. I wanted to stay in that place of heaviness because it had become really familiar to me. But I, I couldn't do so with a good conscience anymore because I had seen that Jesus was wanting to do something different, which was to open up a flow of the rush of the wind of his spirit in my heart. This was a, a moment that was important for me, and I wonder if maybe I'm not the only one that needs to have a moment like that. So I'm thinking about David, and David dealing with his foes rising up against him. But listen, this is David. He's the great king of Israel. And just when you think the great king of Israel would have everything going for him, he's citing this one moment, and this is just the very beginning of the book of Psalms, where his own people were rising up against him. And there was division all around him, and he's wrestling with it, struggling with it, and he calls out to God in the midst of it. And this is what we read in verse 3. We saw it, but let's look at it again. Verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I'm going to say it again. Say it with me. Go. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. See, David needed a but you, Lord, moment. And you and me, we also might just need a, but you, Lord, kind of a moment. Because it's true, what David was experiencing with the strife and the division and the foes, it was all real. And some of the distress and heaviness and difficulty and challenge that you're feeling, it's real. But you need a, but you, Lord, moment. Yeah, the signs are pointing to an economic disaster, but you, Lord, command all the resources in this entire universe. Yes, there is the threat of some kind of a deadly disease, but you, Lord, are able to protect me. There's strife and difficulty in the family and in the relationships, but you, Lord, are able to bring peace and love again. There is a concern for what in the world we're going to do with our kids' education, and we don't know what to do, but you, Lord, you are the one who gives revelation. You are the one who gives solution. You are the one who shows us the way. Shout it, but you, Lord. I'm praying that you would get a but you, Lord, today, moment today and experience his goodness in just the way you need to. Now, what David experiences in this but you, Lord, moment is a recalibrating around the revelation of who God really is. And in this moment, as he even extols and says it out loud, but you, Lord, he's coming back to center around who God really is. And part of that is revealed right in verse 3. You just got to see it. He says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And, and I want you to recognize the truth revealed in this scripture. And I want you to let it sink in. I want you to make it a declaration of what you know to be true as well. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. Just say it. You are a shield around me. You're a shield around me. You know, it's important that we recognize who God is as shield because we do face real threat and danger and insecurity. 
And it's in those moments we need to know that he really is our shield. You know, in the old house that uh, Ann and I and our kids used to live in, when we moved into that house, uh, it, apparently the previous owners had had a, a security system. And so there were like three signs out in, in the front in the bushes. And it said, this home protected by whatever, whatever security company. And we moved into the house. We didn't have any extra money to pay some extra bill for a security company. But we did leave the signs in the yard. <laughs> and by leaving the signs in the yard, we figured, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a deterrent. I'm proud to report to you that we never got robbed, not once in 13 years in that house. And I do think that it was those signs out front that had something to do with it. I mean, we didn't actually have a security system. All we had was the signs. The only thing that those signs ever were used for was when my kids would pick them up and use them as swords against each other. <laughs> But those, uh, those signs seem to speak of this reality. And in that case, it wasn't true. <laughs> there was no security system. But for you and me, when we raise high the reality of who our God is as shield, it is inherently true at every turn. The reality is that he is a great and mighty shield around you. And this is, I want you to hear this. The shield that's made reference to here is magen, in the Hebrew terminology, magen. There's lots of different types of shields mentioned in the Old Testament. This particular one, the magen, it is the buckler. It is the small shield. It is the smaller and most lightweight shield. It's made usually with a metal rim and often leather stretched across it and multiple layers of thick leather. And this, this particular shield, the magen, is lightweight. It's maneuverable. So wherever the attack is coming from, you easily raise that right where it needs to be. And that shield can be carried for miles. It can be carried for a lifetime because it's maneuverable and lightweight. It's a particular kind of shield, but that shield I mentioned, it's made with these layers of leather. And you know what the historians have recorded is that those particular shields, because they're layered with leather, they have to be rubbed with oil in order for the shield to be most effective. And that shield has to be anointed with oil so that it does its job. And, and here's... Here's what I'm getting at. You and I, we know that the Lord our God is our shield. But you can't forget to anoint the shield. And the anointing of oil, it speaks of the need in the human heart to have a real experience with the spirit of the living God on an ongoing basis. Not just once in a while. See, those, those shields, if they were left to dry out, the leather would deteriorate and it wouldn't be effective. And your spiritual life, if you never anoint it with oil, it could dry out. It's not as effective as it's meant to be. And so I came today to tell you to anoint the shield. Anoint the shield. Trust God to bring the oil of the Holy Spirit into your spiritual reality, into your relationship with the living God, so that when you declare, the Lord, you are my shield, it's ready. It's ready. The Lord is a shield about me. You know what I love about this is that you, you can't quite translate that prepositional prefix exactly correctly because the Hebrew terminology there, it, it's magen, it's this word that specifically can mean above or beside, or behind, or beneath, or on this side, or on that side, any which direction. <laughs> That's why the older translations say, Lord, you are a shield about me in every angle. This is what we need to experience, the Lord, our shield, defending us from whatever we need defending from. Now, it, it continues, right, in verse 3, you, Lord, 
are a shield around me. My glory. And the one who lifts my head high. My glory. Everyone say, my glory. <laughs> my glory. God, you are my glory. This is one of those sort of mysterious words in the Bible. When you get to it, and you're like, I, what, what does that actually mean? Is it, is it like the shining? Is it something like an aura? You know, what is it? It's a lot of things. And when we say, God, you are my glory, we are describing the transcendent nature of God encapsulating us. This word glory, kabod, is the Hebrew term. And it's this word that, that means a lot of things. It's referred to and translated as abundance or riches, or honor, or splendor, or dignity, or heaviness and weightiness. It's, it's all of these things. And when we describe God as our glory, it means something, and we need to understand it. You know, a couple years ago, I had a dear friend who has a, uh, a, a beautiful Porsche 911. And he knew that that was sort of a dream car of mine in some alternate parallel verse, you know, and, and he said to me one time, he said, hey, uh, would you want to borrow my 911? And I was like, you mean for like 15 minutes? And, and he, he said, no, no, for the whole weekend. And so he let me borrow his Porsche 911 for the whole entire weekend. And it was amazing. I mean, I brought that thing home. I drove it slow around my block like nine times because I wanted people to see it. I wanted people to see it. I, I brought that thing. I parked it in my driveway. And I just walked out and walked around that car time and time and again, and just admiring it. I moved out our old car out of the garage, of course. I pulled it into the garage, and then late at night, I just walked into the garage and just admired that, sitting in my own garage, a Porsche 911. It was so cool. It was glorious, right? It was glorious. And when I was driving on the freeway, I wanted people to look my way and notice, because I was inside a glory, and glory was all around me, right? <laughs> there was something about it. It gave me a sense of joy. It gave me a sense of an elevated experience in life. It, it gave me a, an, a, a power of acceleration that I will never forget. <laughs> it was glorious. And, and for that weekend, uh, I experienced something of glory. And, and when I think about these words in the scripture, God, my God is, is my glory. God, you are my glory. There's something about that. I'm declaring something about God's nature and character over my life. God, there's something about you covering me that, that brings an abundance, that brings a sense of honor, that brings a sense of capacity, that brings a sense of, of weightiness that goes way beyond whatever I ever had. And, it, and it's deeply good. Today, why don't you just declare it? God, you're my glory. God, you're my glory. All the goodness about who you are encapsulates me, radiates inside of me and, and out through me. <laughs> Some people talk about an aura and think that's something. Oh, just wait till you experience the glory of God. Now that's something. That's something that you need. Is something you're made for. God, you're my, my glory. In verse 3 again, it said, but, but you, Lord, you're a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. <laughs> Don't you know this is what God majors in? Lifting up those who are downtrodden. And so for a lot of us who maybe because we're getting into almost the two-month mark with this whole lockdown and awful situation of a pandemic, uh, we need to recognize that this is right at the core of the nature of God. 
to be the one who is the lifter of our head. He lifts up the downtrodden. Don't you know that throughout the scriptures again and again, this is what you see evidence of. I mean, you see God lifting up Joseph from the, the prison to the palace. You see God lifting up Gideon from the threshing floor of weakness to the front lines of battle winning. You see God lifting up Sarah from being an old lady who couldn't have any children to be, being the mother of the whole nation of the Jewish people. You see God lifting up Samuel from being just a kid who would just was saying, here I am, I'm listening, Lord to being the prophet who prophesied to kings. You see God lifting up David who was the forgotten brother in the back 40 to lifting him up to making him the greatest king of the whole entire nation of Israel. You see God lifting up Esther from just being this, this girl who had been trafficked into a Babylonian kingdom to becoming the woman who was used to save the nation of, of Israel, God's people. You see Jesus coming along lifting up Zacchaeus from being a self-absorbed greedy man and turning him into one of the most generous people that that region had ever seen for the kingdom of God. You see Jesus taking the woman known as the Samaritan woman who had just been known by having you know, five husbands and more and, and sort of thought lower, but lifting her up to becoming the first, one of the first evangelists for the kingdom of God to change the world. You see God taking Peter and lifting him up from just being a fisherman to becoming a fisher of men that all of us owe our salvation to at some point because he preached that word of God. You see Jesus lifting up a dead man called Lazarus and bringing him to life again. Come on, this is who our God is. He's the lifter of our head. This is what he is. This is what he does. This is who he is. He's the lifter of my head. Why don't you just read verse 3 out loud with me one more time. Ready? Say it. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory the one who lifts my head high. Say it again. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. In this moment, when so many of us are, are finding ourselves stuck, feeling trapped, feeling like that dark cloud is hovering nearby, I want you to build your life on this reality, that this is who God is. He's a shield around you. He's your glory. He's the lifter of your head. And embrace him. Embrace him as such. And when you start feeling those feelings of being brought down low, declare this truth again. Maybe even sing it like we used to back in the day. We used to sing, Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, thou, O oh Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. When we make that declaration, it lines something up right on the inside that needed to be. Because the truth is, there, there's something in the air right now that isn't pretty, that isn't good at all. And the, the ruler of the powers of the air think that they've commandeered that space for our harm. But we get to lift up the name of the Lord our God and recalibrate our hearts around this central truth that he's my shield. And I don't have to take that. 
that, that he's my glory. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing something so much far greater than that. And he's the lifter of my head. I don't have to stay stuck under that if the Lord Almighty is lifting my head because he's lifting it over all that. And so bring your heart into trust in Jesus right now. Believers, I'm talking to you. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, then right now, re-up your trust in Jesus. And if you don't know what that's all about, maybe that's because this is new for you. And what I want to do is invite you to put your trust in Jesus. All of us, I mean, basically, at some point in our life, the, the lights kind of came on and we just realized, I don't want to carry this weight of sin and shame and guilt around anymore. I don't want to keep living at that low level of sin and shame and death. And, and someone shared the, uh, the simple truth of Jesus with us, that you could be forgiven, you could be set free, you could have the hope of eternal life, you can be saved. And something inside just went, yeah, I, I, want, I want that. And that's available for you. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, never put your trust in Jesus, do it now. Just maybe right here, right now, just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to turn from my sin. And Jesus, I want to turn to you. John 14, verse 1, Jesus spoke these simple words. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now's the time for you, especially if this is new for you. Maybe you've never done it before. Once and for all, cross the line and just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. It's okay that you have a lot of questions that you still need to ask. All of us still do. We're still figuring it out as we go. But there's got to be a starting point where once and for all, you cross the line and you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I ask you to forgive me and save me. And you trust in Jesus. And so right now, maybe right where you're sitting, would you just whisper this prayer with me and simply say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And ask him to forgive your sin. Just right now pray and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin? Would you save my life, Jesus? I want to receive your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Just say it to him. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I believe in you. Now listen, if, if you're praying like this for the first time, or maybe for somebody, it's just been years and years, and you feel like you need to come back home, come back home to Jesus right now, and pray with me, Jesus, I'm coming back home to you, and Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you, and if this is what you're doing right now, you're putting your trust in Jesus, would you click on that button that says, uh, I'm committing my life to Jesus, yes to Jesus, or if you're with us on Facebook, just type into the comments, I'm giving my life to Jesus because we want to pray for you. We want to help you keep growing in this journey. God, I praise you that you are making us new in this moment. And you're bringing some of us into this gift of salvation so that we can know you as the Lord who is our shield, our glory, and the lifter of our head. Thank you for new life in Jesus' name.